Welcome to The Complaint Train, a podcast where three idiots rant about shit. I'm Sarah. I'm Rory. And I'm Drew. We did it, guys. We made it. We made it it to episode two. They said we wouldn't do it. They They all cast their eyes down upon us. I I told some of my family that we were making a podcast and like everybody was pretty supportive. Like I was talking about how like, Hey, let's start a podcast is the new, Hey, let's start a band. (laughs) Um, It really is. Yeah. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. But I told my family and they were like, Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Also, if any of you are listening, hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've told a couple friends, like out, outside of our um, group chat, I've told a couple people, but I've been keeping it keeping it on the down low until we get some episodes out there before I let people know. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Right now, it's the secret podcast. It's the, the secret podcast that you can find on both Spotify and iTunes. Check it out now, folks. Yay. Great. You're already you're already here. So whatever. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, hopefully you won't hear any water bottle noises, but I am trying to hydrate more and I'm also trying to keep the water bottle noises to a minimum, but if you hear anything, I'm very sorry. It's just a little treat of ASMR for your listening enjoyment. Yeah, I was thinking about um, I wanted a snack like right as we were starting and was trying to decide what would be all right to eat just in case we started recording while I was eating. And it was between yogurt and (laughs) uh, extremely loud dark chocolate espresso beans. how about both? He mix them together. <laughs> Just throw a bunch of beans in blueberry yogurt. Yes. Yum. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the cursed audio experience. <laughs> <laughs> so what have y'all been up to during quarantine? Boy, howdy. Uh, writing papers. I have been writing so many papers. It's insane. I have never written this many papers in such a short span of time. Do you remember what the topics of any of these papers are? So one of them was for my marriage and family therapy class. Uh, and I we, we had to interview like a friend basically and ask them personal questions about their family and then write a paper about that as if we were like their therapist and giving recommendations on like what kind of treatment they should receive. Mm. Um, yeah, so I interviewed my best friend and asked her a bunch of personal questions about her family, um, and turned it in. I just feel like that would be awkward. Um, I mean, it was kind of awkward asking her if I would, if she would let me ask her a bunch of personal questions, but, like, once we actually got down to it, I did have a list of questions, and then she was like, oh yeah, like, here's this, and, like, here's what happened with this person and here's what happened with this person. And like, here are the problems that these people have been having. Um, So the paper was fun to write. And then I turned it in and my professor was like, "Uh, you wrote this completely wrong and you need to redo it. And I was like, man, (laughs) 
What? No. That might have been it's, okay in the before times, but not now. I had heard from the um, the students in the year ahead of us that he almost always makes everyone rewrite those papers no matter what. So it's not like it's not like our papers sucked a whole lot more than usual, but it was it's just I've turned in four papers and I have also turned in a rewrite of each of those papers and I have another rewrite due on Tuesday. Um, oh no. Yeah, and so then the other three papers were just reports for my intellectual assessment class, which is basically just like the different types of IQ tests and then writing reports on the intellectual abilities of the people who took those IQ tests. Hmm. It's a lot because like, there's so many, there's so many more factors that, um, than most people don't really think about, but it's a lot more than just someone's IQ. Cause you have the full scale IQ, which is measured by like each of the subtests that you take. And then like you have all of these different factors, like, um, their person, the person's processing speed, or their uh, verbal ability, and just like a million different things, and you have to report on all of them, or we had to report on all of them. Uh, and normally, when writing a report, like for real in your professional life, you would not include every single factor, but we had to because it's the class that we're learning about this. Mm. So each of those papers ended up being like 15 plus pages. Ooh, gross. It was awful. I can, I've, I've not been doing nearly as many papers as Sarah has. Uh, I've done a couple. Um, my stuff has mainly been studying. Um, although I, I will say talking about the weirdness of, of papers, I did um, an assessment report on Sarah which was kind of weird to do because um, I, I had to pretend like Sarah was just a random person that got recommended to me um, and uh, not my very close girlfriend. <laughs> so, so I was like talking about like her past relationships and then I was like, oh, but she's been in a relationship for the past three years. Definitely not me. It was, yeah, and interestingly enough, I also did an assessment on Drew, but because he had taken the, like, I had to have somebody take the children's version of the IQ test, and uh, because, you know, he's not a child, I had to change a lot of the information, and so I just, like, I didn't know whether it would be cool or not to be like, yeah, my boyfriend took this, Uh like even for even just to the professor to be like, hey, my boyfriend took this, but I'm changing the information in the report so that it makes sense. Um, so I was just like, we're gonna just refer to him as Andrew. He is a 15 year old boy who is definitely the right age to take this test. Also, disclaimer for anybody listening: obviously, in most cases, you would not be testing the people who are close to you, uh, and even if. If this semester had gone any differently, I would have tested volunteers who I didn't know and not my boyfriend. But, you know, desperate yeah. times. Yeah, same <laughs> so here. No company. Fully, fully recognize that it was uh, probably crossed a few lines by 
writing a comprehensive assessment report on my girlfriend. Um, you know, desperate times. Yep, it'd be like that. Anyway, that's the name of the episode: yeah, now. comprehensive report on my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Should we be naming these episodes? Because I think we could probably get some pretty wacky names. Heck, I can just name every episode after a random name in my uh, band name list. Here's <laughs> maybe um, curious. Um, anytime that something strange is said around Drew, Drew's like, that'll be a good band name. He has a list of these like band names. And one day he will present it to the world as like a holy token. <laughs> Yeah, it's so it started as just band names, but it um, evolved into band slash album slash song names. Nice. Um, and one day I'm going to uh, release it to the world. Um, I don't know when that will be, um, but eventually. Um, or, or you could keep them secret and we could just keep picking names for those as uh, names for these episodes <laughs> that's also true yeah i don't know it's my idea for that list has always been that i want to one day release it and inspire a new generation of artists um what if this I, is how you release it it's just steadily right? as episodes of a podcast yes yeah, so this episode is going to be named backboard jesus Awesome. I love it. No, I, I don't know. I don't remember where that came from, but I have it written down April 11th, Backboard Jesus. Cool. I think that would actually be a really funny idea as well. Cause you know, if you have like uh, a podcast that has really wacky episode titles, they usually either talk about the thing or say the thing in the episode. And so when people would see that, they would probably expect it to like be in the episode and then they're like hey they didn't talk about this weird thing at all why is it called this oh southern fried curse i wonder what this episode's all about never <laughs> talked about it and that's from the deep floor we actually got the name of this podcast from the list hey Wait, it comes full yeah. circle <laughs> nice full circle episode two we're done you figured <laughs> out the secret this is our last we episode. Found out what Michael's secret stuff is. Oh, God. <laughs> I miss Space Jam. Space Jam was the best advertisement that was ever given to us. That was my favorite movie when I was three years old. And it's still my favorite movie now. <laughs> it has been a very long time since I watched Space Jam. Hey, do you I'll remember when you... Got me Space Jam for my birthday, Sarah. <laughs> yes. That was the first birthday present I ever gave you. And that's how you knew she was the one. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. That's it. <laughs> she basically just proposed to me. <laughs> the fact that Space Jam was even created is that is such a fever dream of a film, if we're being honest. I and mean, it's really? so good. <laughs> Rory, we never asked you what you've been doing, what you've been up to. Well, you know, I 
I work in a collection agency, so that's just kind of how that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it's just like buck wild. Send the people who call. Because then they're threatening. They're just like, we're going to come up there and kill all of you. And I'm just like, well, have fun. You do that. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. Good luck. Because the one thing that's kind of like, is crazy, is that people, um, they call a collection agency and they assume that it's like a huge group of people. And I assume that this is an assumption. But like, in our collection agency, there's only like three of us. So people will call and they're like, what's the odds of me talking to you again? And I'm like, I don't know. What are the odds? <laughs> and so it's it's always just a, a buck wild time working at a collection agency. My favorite reaction, though, is whenever people ask me, they're like, oh, so what are you doing after you got out of college? And I was like, oh, I work at a collection agency and without fail everybody's reaction is oof <laughs> I mean that's fair <laughs> but one thing that's a blessing is like my coworkers I work with like the best people in the way in the world and I love my coworkers so that makes everyday not as bad because working collections isn't fun but whenever your coworkers you enjoy them it doesn't make it near as bad yeah that's that's fair how long have you worked there now? Um, it's kind of a strange question because it's like, well, strange answer, not a strange question. But <laughs> I've worked there um, like every summer since I've been in college. And since this year, I took kind of a involuntary gap year. I've worked there um, this entire year. Okay. And, and it's always just, you get so many just strange funk phone calls. And one thing that's crazy is because there's a lot of people, since they assume that it's a big collection agency, and that, like, the person that they're talking to isn't the person that they talk talk to the first time they called. So there'll be, there's some people who call that's like, oh, last week I called, this lady said this, and you look at the notes, and it's like, you were the one who talked to them. And I was (laughs) like, I was like, that lady did not say that. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, I remember... Like you talking about working there, I think, I think before I graduated even, and I was like, man, that sounds like it sucks. And then I graduated and started working for Walmart. And let me tell you, retail fucking sucks. And honestly, like you talking about that, I was like, yeah, I could probably do that. Like that would be nicer even than just working at Walmart. And like, oh, would personally- like Walmart. Walmart is the seventh circle of hell. Let me tell you this. As someone who's oh, never worked yeah. at Walmart, I can confirm it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, talking hell. to two people that have worked for Walmart. <laughs> this is this is semi-related, but Walmart got brought up, so I have to talk about it. Did you hear about the um, the Walmart in I think Minnesota that has now confirmed like eighty something coronavirus cases? Holy oh, shit. God. No. Yeah. It's <laughs> which Walmart's have been open this entire time, so I don't know how related it is to the country opening things back up, but that seems like a lot all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah. One thing that's like cause to kind of bring the 
Walmart banter down and talk about a little bit more serious thing because talking about the country back opening back up. Like one thing that's crazy is like even if you look at like the nineteen eighteen like pandemic, they like opened up the country and it was like after they opened it up, they had more cases during that second wave than that first wave. Yeah. And there's a lot of how history repeats itself. Interesting how pe- how how history repeats itself. <laughs> because the thing that always just irritates me about because like history is there, we know it happened, we have records, we know what happened, but then there's still so many people that are like, oh, well we're gonna do the exact same thing, and it won't be the same this time, and we're gonna do it better. And I'm like, no. Um, I I genuinely don't understand the the mindset of the people that are trying to force the country back open like i understand it in theory but from a, you know logic perspective none of it makes any sense like i could see wanting to open the country back up once we have minimized cases or extinguished cases but we have not they just got tired of being closed and we we got over the the huge spike like we we got oh we basically got over the hump and people were like all right that's good enough it's like no there's still a lot of cases out there opening it up is just going to make it spike back up again like let's be real uh <laughs> the american people and i don't want to generalize but there are a lot of impulsive in hard-headed people in America, as with any country, but there's a lot of impulsive people in America that will not take the proper precautions if given the right freedom. So if we open things back up, they're just, they're going to rush out anyways, regardless of if they're sick or not. And then that's not everyone, but enough people will do that that we're going to see a huge spike in cases again. You know. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like a difficult concept to understand, but here we are. I was actually I reading like a PBS article. I think it was PBS, but it was they brought a guy on that he, um, I don't remember exactly what his job was, but he was like an expert that he would like consult during like wartime or something like that. And he had consulted for both parties, and he was, like, an expert in the room, like, a war consultant. And he was talking about how one thing that's really a big problem, especially in this day and age, is that everybody thinks that they know more than the experts do. Which I think is, like, something that is a sweeping problem, like, across our country. And I know that I've been, like, guilty about it, too. Because, like, there'll be... Because we all have, like, opinions on things. And they're... But there are some people who think that just because they have an opinion, that means that they have all the facts. And I think a lot of people with like this pandemic, especially, they assume that because they can Google something that agrees with their opinion, then uh, they know more than the experts do on the matter. And which I think is one of the reasons why it's going to like hit us again on the second wave fairly hard. Because there are a lot of people out there who won't listen to people who are legitimately the experts in the room. 
Yeah, and I think that also seems to be a uniquely American problem because I I saw on Tumblr somebody posting about like the like all of the American politicians just outright ignoring or even saying that the experts are wrong and they were like listen like my the, the leaders of my country are not responding particularly well to the pandemic but like at least they're not ignoring the experts and being like oh they're wrong because i dis- like i don't want them to be right and so i'm just going to make up whatever and call it's, that facts it's not helpful in any way like they're try they're being selfish and they're trying to protect you know what i i guess their own values or their own property or or their finances they're they're you know undercutting the experts in trying to protect what they believe to be true or what they want to be true, but that's not helping anything. That's just going to get people, get more people killed. We, we already have the most amount of cases in the world. We have last I checked the most amount of uh, deaths from the virus in the world. Like this, this is going to absolutely just ravage our country and they don't seem to care. Yeah. And one thing that I think is um, a big problem, I think that this has affected America so much, is that more time, I mean, we're all young, but I can, so we can only attest to, like, our personal experience within, like, this, our lifetime. But I'm a history buff, I well, amateur history buff. I like to, I really like to study history. And more so than, like, almost any other time period, we are just, like, so divided as a nation. And everyone... Both sides are just pissed off. And uh, I think that a lot of that comes down to how we um, consume our media. Because, like, one thing in the past, like, from, like, my parents' generation and things like that, um, everyone got their news from, like, one source, right? Like, you turned on the 6 o'clock world news and you watched, like, the one source on the three channels that you had. And everybody kind of trusted what the news said. Because that was their only source of information. And that was one of the things I think that really caused um, people to be so anti-war during Vietnam. Was because that was the first time they were seeing live footage of wartime um, things happening. Like, as it was happening, you know? And before that, you were only told of what was happening. You never actually saw what was happening on, like, the on the front lines and right. now in the age of like social media and all these different things you can pick and choose which news you want to listen to so it's like people who only support like the right can sit down and watch like fox news and get like that one version of events and don't even have to listen to anybody else that has different opinions because they can choose to only consume no- news sources that uh, align with their opinions of the world. And, like, the same thing with, like, the left also does this. Like, they have, like, their news sources that they, um, to clarify, I consider myself a left, left-leaning person as a disclaimer. But, like, the left has, like, their sources that they can sit down and listen to, like, their versions of events. But there's not really any source, or not as many sources now that are giving you an unbiased take because now news is 
is only as valuable as how clickable it is to get people to click on that um, article. So it's having people have to have like clickbaity titles. And with clickbaity titles, they almost always have to be biased because they have to cause like a reaction, like an emotional reaction that would make you want to click on that article. And because of this kind of like more and more like dividing of how we consume news, it's like making us more and more like, like angry and divided as like a nation. And I mean, I'm not a psychology major, but isn't there like a thing like, like people, if you tell someone they're wrong, they're most likely to like double down in that opinion. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know if there's a name for that. I, yeah, I don't remember what the uh, principle is called, but yeah, I mean, basically it's, um, the the more you tell someone that they're wrong or, or the position that they're taking is wrong, the more firmly they're going to believe that position. Um, mm-hmm. So, which is, I mean, that's a good case of what is happening in America every single day. <laughs> there's there's no more civility anymore. There's everyone's just fighting and arguing, and no one wants to concede on their point. And that's that's not how politics should be run. Yeah. Because then we don't get anywhere. Speaking mm-hmm. of which, can we fucking talk about the protests in Michigan? <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> because um, for those of you who might not be like aware of the situation in Michigan, essentially the the government in Michigan is uh, voting whether or not they wanted to like open up the country. And there's several people, or open up the state, my my bad. And there's several people that are in the um, courthouse or what, uh, state capitol protesting and screaming. And they have like guns and everything because they're demanding that they open up the country. The, um, as far as I, I'm aware, that's kind of the situation. Is that how y'all kind of... Yeah, that is just all kinds of fucked up. And like... I was talking about it again with my family and I was like, you know that a, if those people weren't white, the police would be everywhere and shooting everyone. And probably even if they were like protesting a liberal issue or like, you know, it was liberals out there protesting, like there's no way that, they wouldn't be sending the police out there and like spring tear gas or, you know. Exactly. And it's like the, cause like they were not even out there with just like handguns and stuff. From what I saw from photos, it was like people who had like semi-automatic weapons. Like I wasn't, I saw like a news alert on my phone, but I, I think I was working at the time or I was doing something else. So I didn't have time to like, actually read what was going on uh, apart from people are storming the the capitol building so i didn't know it was that serious it's wild it is black wild one thing that i think i saw um as a post about this um it might have been like on instagram it might have been on tumblr i don't know but it was talking about how um people like they think that they're being oppressed whenever it's like they don't know what real oppression is like you know (laughs) oh man yeah i was going to mention the um 
the sign um, that some lady was carrying that was uh, it was something to the effect of um, um, so social isolation is slavery or something like that. I don't remember the exact wording, but it was essentially likening the um, stay at home order to being a slave and which is such all, bullshit. all sorts of messed up. I don't even know if I could begin to explain all the ways that that is wrong. Yeah, like I, as, I saw that as well. Because us as like Caucasian people, we come from a place of privilege and we, I would say we all recognize that we come from a place of privilege. And yeah. like the fact that these some of these people have the audacity to like compare being told to stay at home because there's a pandemic to the horrors that like slavery plagued this country for like centuries no oh it's... i'm sorry that you have to stay home and eat junk food and watch tv and do whatever the fuck you want yeah yeah let's compare that to having to work out in the fields 20 hours a day not getting proper housing or food and getting verbally and physically tortured every single day by by someone lording their power over you yeah that's exactly the same situation and that's just a gross simplification of what slavery was it was so much worse than than that but i mean the you can't even compare the two like yeah it, it fucking sucks that we have to be at home like i've been i've been dealing with my mental health issues the past couple of weeks but at the end of the day I'm eating food that I like and I'm, you know, watching shows that I like and, and playing games and stuff like that. It's, it's just not the same in any sort of capacity. So the, the amount of entitlement and, and I don't know. It's. Yeah. I can understand why some people will be upset about the stay at home order, especially if like, for example, they're like a, a single mother who has like, three children and they don't know how they're going to put food in their mouth because they got laid off from work. But and like, I understand that that person has every right to be upset, but I think that they, their anger shouldn't be towards opening up the country. It should be, let's make life better for like workers in general, you know? Yeah. Because, but like, and, also, you know, that's not who's out there protesting. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a, a gut feeling that's correct, but if, that, <laughs> if there was any people that were in that situation, I could understand why they would be angry. Yeah, sure. But I agree with you, Sarah. I don't think that that's the majority of the people protesting. Yeah. They're all so close to understanding the real problem here. <laughs> the problem is not that we're on shutdown. The problem is that our country has made it so that no one can survive when even the, the smallest of road bumps interrupts our normal schedule. It, it, so all these people are, are angry that they're not getting paid and that they're getting laid off, and but they're redirecting their anger towards, I don't know. They're, they're, they're redirecting it to the wrong places. They should be angry about why is our country like ruined us like this why can't our country provide for us in a time of panic and, and during this pandemic instead they're trying to force the country open so they can return back to the 
you know, constantly working, barely making ends meet way of life that we were before. It's like people are scrambling to get back to the normal, but normal wasn't working before. They haven't quite reached the point where they understand that yet. And it's so frustrating. It's like maybe we should be thinking about how capitalism sucks, actually. Yes. Yeah. Because, like, and one people's, um, one of my least favorite arguments, because um, people are like, oh, well, look at, do you want to be like communists like China and North Korea, or do you want to be socialist? Other than like, and they always just assume that, like, the like, socialism, they're like, they always go to the Nazis, right? Whenever people are arguing against socialism, at least in my experience, people always be like, oh, the National Socialist Party. So you want to be, like, a Nazi. And, like, the thing about it is no form of economic system is ever going to be perfect because people will mess it up. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. It's nothing, and especially, like, with capitalism, like, a free market now, because, like... You have people like Jeff Bezos who got like $30 billion during this quarantine and he's not being taxed on any of it. Yet you have like the Walt Disney World employee who can't even afford to um, have an apartment and has to live in their car while also having to pay money to like maintain the quote unquote Disney look. Whenever Disney World rakes in like $30 bajillion every day. <laughs> Yeah. There is just such a just grievous income imbalance between the top like wealthiest people in this country and then the poorest and I think that a lot of people cuz this is a um like a metaphor that like I like to use cuz a lot of people especially whenever they've come from that place of privilege like their entire life it's like it's hard for them to understand that there's people who might work, give everything every day and work so hard and will still not be successful, you know? Yeah. It's like for them that are like the top like echelons of society, if they worked hard for their money, they're like, oh, all you have to do is work hard too. But that's not all of it because not success doesn't come with just working hard. Luck also plays a big part of that. You have to be at the right place at the right time and know the right people. And, and just in terms of America, you have to have the right skin color and you have to be the right gender. You have to have the right sexuality. We have so many barriers in this country. You can't just expect people to work hard and you'll, and you'll be successful because we just put, I, I don't want to say we, but America puts puts up way too many walls that prevent people from ever getting to that point like a post i saw like on i don't remember where but it was it was a professor that was um trying to explain kind of what privilege was and they had like a waste bucket at the top at the front of the classroom and they gave each of their students um like a like a crumpled up piece of paper and they were all tasked to throw it into like the trash can but they were all sitting varying degrees farther away from the trash can and someone that was sitting at the back of the classroom was like well this isn't fair because they're at the front and so they have a better shot and then the teacher was like well everyone has a chance to do it so and i was trying to explain kind of what privilege is and the people that are on the front sometimes they don't 
even think to look behind them, you know, and like, and think to see that anybody else's perspective and anybody else's struggle. Like the example I said earlier, like the mom who might be working like three jobs to support her, like her kids who's having to live paycheck to paycheck. I think she works harder than most people who are the top 1% in this country. I'll say that. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're right. And you should say it. Because in just because she isn't working like quote unquote glamorous jobs doesn't mean that her work isn't less valuable to the economy as a whole. So a lot of these people, they are so, so angry. Like whenever like non-essential businesses get closed, but businesses like, for example, Walmart or working at like a gas station or working like fast food, like jobs that pay typically pennies of what they should be receiving to deal with what they have to deal with. And they're the ones that keep this country going, and they're the ones that are being valued the least. Yeah. Like, if we didn't have people who would, like, pick up our garbage and, like, like sanitation workers and janitors, think about how terrible life would be if we didn't have that. And yet they don't get any recognition for the hard work they do. Yeah. Have y'all seen that post that's, like, garbage men and pickup artists should switch names? <laughs> I, w- I, love know, that. I was I was thinking about the garbage man thing the other day actually. It's just if they all quit, if every if every garbage person in America decided to just quit, our country would fall apart. Exactly. <laughs> would fall apart immediately. Yep. If every Walmart if if 15 Walmart employees from every single Walmart store in America quit, our country would fall apart. Let's be real. I mean, yeah. yeah. And and one thing, because a lot of people have been like, oh, let's fight for the, the $15 minimum wage. This might be sound a little bit um, as like a radical opinion, but I don't think that that is uh, good enough. Because... Like, $15 minimum wage, that's a lot better than what you have right now. But yeah. it's if we get that, a lot of people that are on the top would be like, oh, we gave you $15, you have nothing else to complain about. But someone who, like, lives in, like, L.A. working at, um, like, a Walmart in Los Angeles is going to need a lot more money to survive than someone working in, like, I don't know, like, Ada, Oklahoma, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying that the person at Ada, Oklahoma should make less. I think that everyone should make enough money so that they can exist like without having to worry about if they can afford to put food on the table. And I think that it's a it's a damn shame in our country that there are several people who won't go to the doctor and won't go to the hospitals for the simple fact that they just cannot afford to do so. Yeah. And like even the people who are arguing against like a $15 minimum wage, like the uh, one of the worst takes I've seen are like, well, you know, people who work at McDonald's shouldn't make $15 an hour because I used to be an emergency responder and I made $15 an hour. And do you want those people to be making the same amount of money? And like, it's like they're almost like they've almost got it, but not quite because 
like obviously they should have been making more as well they were also being underpaid like they should have been making way more than 15 dollars an hour that is not enough and even if you say that 15 like even if we go on the basis that 15 dollars an hour is a you know satisfactory wage for someone you know working in retail working in food service like that doesn't mean that we're like, oh, all of the other jobs that are already making $15 an hour should not, like, those people shouldn't get paid more. Like, of course they should be. Yeah. What, okay, so I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to explain this um, in the right terms, but you, you touched upon it on what you just said. Um, but people try to turn it into, like, a fight, like a confrontation. Like, why should they get paid more? Because I... I didn't get paid more. Why should they get paid this amount? I got paid this amount, but I was doing something way more important. It's like they, they try to turn it into an argument where they should be more collaborative on it. Like, yeah, they should get paid more and I should also get paid more. We're all being underpaid. Like people have forgotten how to collaborate and agree with other people and, and work together in this country. It's always, it's America for the longest time has been individualized uh, or um, independent versus interdependent, um, which has really hurt us in a lot of ways because for a lot of people, they're looking out for themselves and they're not considering other people. And that's how, that's part of the reason why we're in the position that we're in right now and why, you know, people are presenting these rational arguments and then other people are arguing with them like, no, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, yeah, it does. You're just being an asshole and not thinking about anyone other than you. Yeah. And like, I, I've thought about that. I think my professor at some point was talking about the difference between independence and interdependence. And the fact that a lot of us think that we are completely independent, but we're not, we're all interdependent. And the only way that we would be completely independent is if we made like, if if we grew all of our own food and, and like, you know, if we wanted to eat meat, we only ate like animals that we were raising on our own land and we were making all of our own clothes and generating all of our own power and, you know, having like. Essentially not- turned into a mountain man from Discovery Channel. <laughs> Exactly. As as independent as we want to think of ourselves as, we're not. We depend on on everything. I mean, going with the Walmart example again, like if retail, we depend heavily on retail workers. We're we are not independent of them. We need them. If they if all retailers shut down in America, our country would self destruct within the hour. It's like even people that like work in like warehouse too, because like the I know that there's been so many people because like they aren't getting their Amazon packages with two days shipping, and they're losing their minds over it. And I'm just like, hey, y'all, hot take, fuck Amazon, fuck Amazon. And you know what? And this is also a hot take, but I don't really know what to say about Amazon in this situation. Because obviously, fuck Amazon and, and fuck Jeff Bezos. But Amazon, I imagine, is being really helpful um, 
in this situation just in terms of people being able to order groceries and things like that. But also yeah. people are during this quarantine continuing to order ridiculous things, uh, things that they don't need to survive. Yeah. And the poor workers that uh, are, you know, not getting treated correctly and are working in dangerous conditions and are underpaid and overworked in the Amazon warehouses, they're having to, expose themselves and put themselves in danger to package all of these ridiculous items that people don't need during a quarantine. It's just, I'm very conflicted on it. I think that, yes, I, um, I don't know if you guys have been watching last week tonight, but there was one episode maybe a couple of weeks ago where they had a clip of a guy who I think was a warehouse worker. I I'm, I can't remember, but I think he was, and he was talking about how Amazon really shouldn't be selling non-essential items right now, and that it's perfectly fine if somebody wants to order their essential items from Amazon so that they don't have to go out to the store and get them, but he was like, people are still ordering, like, dildos, and think about that for a second, like, do we really need to have people ordering dildos? Do we need to have the workers in the warehouse risking their lives so that people can have their dildos? No. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. It's, it's frustrating. Like, um, disclaimer, uh, today's my birthday, uh, to all the listeners out there. Um, and, some of my family members sent me like a, a digital Amazon gift card, which was very conflicting um, because I have kind of lessened my usage of Amazon. I'll still use it for like for maybe birthday gifts sometimes, but I've kind of lessened how much I use it. And especially right now, I've, I've kind of refused to use it. So now I have this Amazon gift card and I'm like, well, I don't want it to go to waste because I could get something that I really need. But at the same time, that's a, you know, a real worker out there that's going to have to package and, and send whatever I'm ordering. So it's, I don't know, it's very conflicting. Also, I just don't want to support Jeff Bezos. That's fair. Jeff yeah, Bezos like, is definitely a Bond villain. Let's be real. If this was a James <laughs> Bond film, this is ungodly. <laughs> like yeah. year and few years we've been in, Jeff Bezos would indeed be the James Bond villain. That's <laughs> you're right. He even looks like a Bond villain. Let's be real. <laughs> he kind of, he kind of do. <laughs> One of my D and D campaigns, I write, I wrote, um, Jeff Bezos was the main villain at the end. <laughs> Love it. Um, so just to switch um, subjects because we've been ranting for a while now. Um, but recently, I think within the past week or so, I have um, started watching reaction videos of Avatar The Last Airbender. I don't remember the last time I watched it. It was definitely, I watched it with uh, you two and maybe, I think, were we showing Gwen? Yes. Which that was like sophomore or junior year. Yeah, it was, it's been a while. So 
I'm not, you know, because of fair use, they can't show the full episode on YouTube, but they show like 10 minutes of it because that's as much as they can do. Um, so I'm, I'm watching it, but I'm not at the same time. But it's just, it's so, I don't know, gratifying to see other people reacting so energetically to something that I love. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know how much you two are into reaction videos. I've realized recently that's like 90% of what I watch on YouTube now. <laughs> that's me and ASMR. Honestly, same. <laughs> I watch, you're going to judge me for this, but yeah. I watch ASMR videos, reaction videos, and then Disney food blog. <laughs> that's a good combination of things. But back on Avatar... I will say this to the day I die. Nobody has written a redemption arc that will ever be as gratifying as what Prince Zuko's was. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, no one, in, and this is going to be, I, I think, an even bigger statement, but like no one to this day has written a character like how Uncle Iroh was written. Uncle Iroh is what every other wise old, like, monk type character wishes they could be two two moments of uncle iroh that i realized um like i always liked but i've realized uh, especially now that i just fucking love are it's actually it's the moments where he gets super angry and, and passionate and it's um the first time that it really happens is where Zhao is about to um, kill the moon spirit and Iroh comes down and he's like, whatever you do to that spirit, I will pay back to you tenfold. Let it go. And it's just like, whoa, we've never seen this side of Iroh before. What the fuck? It was really good. (laughs) And the other moment is when they're in uh, Lake Laogai and Zuko is about to steal Appa and Iroh shows up and he's like, what are you doing? You never have a plan. This is just like the North Pole. You had him, and then you had nowhere to go. You would have frozen to death. And then she's just, like, so angry. And he's like, you need to shape up and choose your own destiny. And I'm just like, yes, go on. But um, one thing, this is, Gibby's just kind of, like, a little bit of a downer. But it's, um, because Uncle Iroh, especially, um, post-2015 has really meant a lot more to me, like, as a character, because um, for a lot of you who may be listening might not know, um, in 20, it was like 2015, 2016, so my friend, um, my best one of my best friends from high school, he uh, was in the Air Force Academy, and so whenever you're at the Air Force Academy, you aren't allowed to like have your phone or anything like that. So he correspond via mail. And so I'd write him letters like pretty much daily um, of just general encouragement. And I'd end every single letter with a quote from Uncle Iroh because we both loved Avatar The Last Airbender. And then it was um, on New Year's in, I think it was like New Year's 2016, um, him and his dad went up in a plane um, and they flew all the time. But they were just a horrible accident and the plane crashed and neither one of them made it. 
And so now every time I hear, like, especially at least from the vine, I always associate that memory with Tim because first that was the character that was his favorite character was Uncle Iroh. And we would always talk about Avatar every time we meet, we met with each other. And like I said, every single letter I sent to him, it, I left it with like a, a quote from Uncle Iroh and not any children's TV show from like that could convey that sort of like emotion that could connect people like Avatar has. Yeah. 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 I I didn't I didn't know that like the thing about like you guys' connection with that. Like because I remember you posting that in the group chat like when that happened. Um but yeah like that was like especially with leaves from the vine like that was one of the most genuine like portrayals of grief that i've ever seen in a children's show just sitting here and thinking about the song i i legitimately have tears in my eyes and nothing else can do that to me you know like there there are shows that will make me cry or certain things that will make me cry nothing has the emotional impact on me that leaves from the vine so consistently does even going back and re-watching Avatar now, it is, as a kid, there were so many nuances that you didn't get because you were a child. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but when you go back and um, watch it as an adult, it just has so many, like, deeper layers to it. And it just is such a, it's like oh, one of the greatest pieces of artwork in, that's ever been delivered to us was <laughs> Avatar The Last Airbender, the greatest show that was ever made. Hell yeah. Um, okay, so here's one of those details that I had no idea about until yesterday. Um, you know the part where um, Zhao kills the moon spirit and it all goes black and white? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and how everything is black and white during that? Yeah. yeah. Princess Yue's eyes are blue during that sequence. Mm-hmm. No one else's Ooh. eyes have color. No one else has color, but her eyes still have color to signify that she has the moon spirit in her. Oh, that's so cool. I just got goosebumps. Holy shit. Same. I had no fucking idea about that. I've seen the show so many times, and I had no idea about that until yesterday. Damn. To, oh. One of my other favorite scenes is like, Whenever um, Iroh is in prison and Zuko keeps visiting him every day, one thing that they did, how they animated it, was they were very purposeful because you never saw really Iroh behind bars. It was always from the perspective of coming inside the jail cell looking out at Zuko. And it was so good because it was like that was signifying that even though um, Iroh was locked up, he wasn't the one that was trapped. And it was Zuko that was the one that was trapped by his own moral dilemma. The other thing that I really love, like, about the fandom especially, is that, like, I can just be scrolling through Tumblr and there's a very high chance that I will see somebody speculating about something for from the show and, like, it'll be a new post that I've never seen before because people are always just, like, coming up with new theories or, like, spotting a detail 
uh, in something and just being like, hey, I think that like these things could be connected or even like, here's this headcanon that's really well thought out and here's my support for it. And like, even if it doesn't come up in the show explicitly, they're like, here's why I think this could be true. And I love that. It is so cool. Like <laughs> the other day, I don't know if I reblogged it, but there was a post that was like, here's why I think Ty Lee is descended from airbenders. And I was like, fuck yes. <laughs> Like, give me this conspiracy theory. One of the most recent ones that I saw was um, talking about Azula. And, you know, obviously she has her breakdown um, at the um, during the season finale. And she has that whole scene where um, she can't do her hair right. So she, um, she cuts it. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone pointed out that in the first scene that she's in in like season two where she's practicing her lightning bending on the ship she shoots the lightning and uh one hair falls out of place and her masters say almost perfect just one hair out of place and azula gets super upset at the one hair being out of place i i which I don't know if that was intentional or not, but just the, the parallel of like when we first introduced her, she obviously gets upset at not being absolutely perfect. And then by the end of it, it's literally, she can't do her hair. Her hair is out of place. She ends up going crazy and like cutting it. It's, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this show has too much in it. And, like, let's just talk about, like, that Agnikai between her and Zuko and, like, the music choice that they made during that time. Because it's, like, one of the fights that has been building for, like, the entire show. Like, you wanted to see these two kind of, like, come to odds. And they didn't choose, like, a real hyped-up, like, battle score. Instead, they chose, like, a really somber and, like, cool, like, sad and melancholy like theme that had such power behind it because at the end of the day it was sad because these were siblings that were having to fight each other because they grew up in a messed up system with a crazy dad (laughs) yeah yeah i i also really think that i think that all the posts about like like obviously azula went off the deep end but like she was also a victim of uh abuse from their father and like seeing like both Zuko and Azula and how the ways that they I guess turned out um are two very interesting and very different portrayals of children who were victims of um domestic abuse yeah yeah another favorite post I've saw about um Azula was I don't this is a very like particular scene in the show. So um but like the scene remember um there's a flashback and um Ozai is being crowned fire lord and Azula looks just like really just like happy and she has like a quote unquote like evil face on her face like evil look yeah. on her face and it's like kind of signify oh she's loving it. But I saw a post the other day that was like what if that was the moment when she decided she was going to do the exact same thing to Zuko? Yazuka was the firstborn, and Ozai 
was the younger and he forced Iroh out of power so he could become Fire Lord. And so what if that was the moment where Azula decided that she was going to try to do the same thing? So all like the abuse of like how mean she was to Zuko all the years was because she knew that she was going to be the one to take power and she was going to take it from him. Damn. Man, holy shit. I could honestly just talk about Avatar forever. <laughs> this is now Avatar The Last Airbender, the greatest show ever made, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we we haven't uh, looked at our Twitters yet. Would that be too long of an end segment? We should look at our Twitters. We can look at our Twitters. Just to see what the hell's going on in the world. There's something trending that just says, ON MY JACKET. In all caps. What is this referring to? I don't understand. Um, virginity is trending uh, under hip-hop and rap. What? What? Did y'all hear, see, it was, tr- this is kind of cheating because it was trending yesterday. But it was about the murder hornet. Huh? Or the murder wasp or something. Apparently there's an invasive species of like, it's like a hornet or wasp or whatever, that it's like two inches big and it will decapitate honeybees and like eat their bot. It'll leave the heads and like, or no, it'll eat the like, it'll either eat the heads and leave the bodies or eat the bodies and leave the heads. It's one of those. And so, and it's just like taking over America. And their sting can kill a person. And if you get oh. stuck by it, it feels like you're being stabbed with, like, molten lead. Yeah. What? Yeah, I know about that. And I was just like, who thought this was a good idea to create these things? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like, uh, bee farmers will come to, like, their, like, bee farm. And then come out and look and be like, oh, let me get some honey. And then they'll just see, like, the corpses of all their bees. Jeez. Um, trending. <laughs> hey guys, did you know it's a seductive Sunday? Huh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what does this mean? Oh man, it's just people posting thirsty pics. I don't care about this thread. <laughs> Divorce is also trending on Twitter right now. Yeah. Why? Oh, they're talking about, like, um, I don't know. I think it's just a bunch of random stuff about divorce. I don't know if there's any connecting. There's no rainbow connection? I don't think so. There's not very much on Twitter today, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I'm disappointed with you, Twitter. Except there's, like, I know hashtag billions is is trending. I think that's a Showtime show. Don't know anything about it, but it's been trending for a couple days now. Quarantined LGBTQ. Oh, more thirst pics. Cool. Cool. People are just very thirsty in this yeah. in this Denny's tonight. I am feeling thirsty in this Denny's tonight. <laughs> <laughs> One story to kind of wrap it up. I just think it was really funny because um, I follow all of like the the Fab Five on Instagram, mm-hmm. and there was a picture that Anthony posted, and it was like it was a thirst trap photo. If I've ever seen a thirst trap photo, 
Because he looked just like absolutely just ripped. And I was oh, like... I might have seen that picture. I felt like personally attacked by Anthony in that moment. And I looked <laughs> down and <laughs> I had seen that Tommy had liked it as well. And I was like, I see you, Tommy. <laughs> I saw a picture from him yesterday where he was like, nothing puts a smile on my face like a run. And then it's a picture of him standing shirtless in sweat-covered shorts, and he's not smiling. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, was, that, was, was that the picture? I think so. I'm going to send it to our, and some people listening. Just go to Anthony's Instagram, and you'll know. You'll know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. But I'm going to try to send it to our, like, our little group file, and then y'all will experience this. I was just like, why post a picture with the caption, nothing puts a smile on my face, like a run, if you're not smiling in the picture? Like, he's doing the white person smile. The white person smile? <laughs> where, 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 he, where he, like, kind of lifts the corners of his mouth, but not really, so it's, like, barely distinguishable as a smile. Do you want me to send it? No, I I I saw it. Okay. Have you seen the photo? Yep. Well, I just took a screenshot, so I need to delete that now before <laughs> Tommy finds me. Yeah. Well, uh, well this has <laughs> been the Complaint Train, a podcast where we talk. Yeah. Where we talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Tune in next say... week for a full analyzation of Avatar The Last Airbender's final season. <laughs> yes. Do we want to say where people can find us if they're interested in that? Or like our Twitter handles or something? Oh, well, I don't really use my Twitter that much. Um, I mean, I, I am the knight. Okay, I, <laughs> I can do my Instagram, I guess. People want to follow me there. What's our podcast Instagram, Drew? Uh, so you can find the podcast Instagram at uh, Complain Train Podcast. Um, on there you can find our um, link to Spotify, and I couldn't fit the link um, for iTunes on there, but you can also find the show on iTunes. If you want to offer us any um, critiques, any um, comments, or haikus. Anything that tickles your fancy in this quarantine that we're living in and after, you can contact us at train at gmail.com. We have like Instagrams and stuff, but I, I don't know if anyone's interested in that. But... If anyone is interested in that, email us. <laughs> I guess, yeah, or, or message us on it. Uh, message us on the Instagram page and, and <laughs> we'll, maybe we'll put that out there. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm mumbling. I'm, I'm rambling now. <laughs> All right. Uh, goodbye, everyone. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs>